I don't know about you, but I'm getting more excited now. I feel like Christmas is really uh, underway. Last week, we started our Christmas service, but it was the Sunday after Thanksgiving weekend, so you kind of still feel like it's a, a little bit Thanksgiving-ish, you know, but, but now we're on December. The countdown has begun. We know how many days there are till Christmas Day, and I have to ask you a question this morning. How many of you have started your Christmas shopping? Anyone here started? I don't know why I put my hand up. I haven't. But uh, how many of you have started? Okay, well done, well done. All right, this may upset me. How many of you have finished your Christmas shopping? Yes, look, there's a couple of hands here already. My wife, uh, she's not in this service, but if she were here, her hand would be raised because she has already finished all of her Christmas shopping. She's amazing. Um, how about decorations? Any of you guys, uh, hands up if you've got decorations up in the house, outside, wherever it may be. Well done. You really are getting into the Christmas spirit. Uh, our house is now decorated for Christmas. Uh, but funny story, we got ours out. We got our Christmas decorations out uh, just this last week. The craziest thing happened. We found a gift from last year um, that we forgot to unwrap. <laughs> Can you believe that? It's a shame as well because I think the kids would have loved that puppy. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> You know, with shopping and decorations, there's another staple of Christmas, and that's Christmas music. It's that time of the year where wherever you go, if you've got the radio on, there are stations that just play Christmas songs, and, and we love it. It's nostalgic. There are songs that take us back to Christmas memories from years gone by. Um, but there are some songs that are very special at Christmas, and those are the Christmas carols. And we've decided as a church this Christmas to base our Christmas series around some of our favorite Christmas carols. So last Sunday, we started with O Holy Night, and we talked about that beautiful carol and its meaning and how it was uh, written and uh, has grown over the years. And, and this morning, we're going to choose another carol to look at, and that carol is O Come All Ye Faithful. Another classic Christmas carol, uh, one that I'm sure you are familiar with. It's, it always amazes me with Christmas carols, the songs that we sing, and we think, man, I can remember singing that as a kid. Our parents and their parents probably also sang those Christmas carols as kids. Because, oh, come all ye faithful, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the song or not, I'm pretty sure you will be, but just in case you're not, I've got a little clip of it uh, for you to listen to this morning. It's uh, from a small church in London. Uh, it's called Westminster Abbey. Check this out.
Well, there you go. That's how they do uh, kids' services in churches in England. A little bit different than the kids' service we had there this morning, uh, but I liked it. I liked the way the pastor came in. I think we may try doing that here at uh, Connect, see how that works. But um, such a famous song. It was actually written in 1774. Uh, There is some controversy, uh, maybe a little controversy, over who the author actually was. Several people claim to have written this carol. Uh, No one knows for sure which one was telling the truth. But it goes um, originally by its Latin name of Adeste Fidelis, which is Latin for O Come, All You Faithful. Um, It's still one of the most popular Christmas carols sung around the entire world to this day. You know, what I love about Christmas carols is, is they're just timeless classics. But I wonder how often we sing them because we're so familiar with the words that we actually don't really focus in on what the words themselves really mean. We, uh, we said last week when we started this series that what we're gonna do is each carol we look at, we'll try and take a few words or a line or a phrase and zero in on that particular line and, uh, and see if we can dig a bit deeper into its meaning so that in the weeks to come as we hear this carol played and sung in the months and years to come that we sing it again, we'll, we'll maybe remember this particular part of the song and think about it a little bit differently. So the one line I want to look at in this carol is the very first line of the song. The line goes, O come, all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. O come, all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. We sing it a lot, but I wonder if we've ever really thought about what those words actually mean. As I already said, Casey, my wife, she is the queen of shopping. She has purchased all the Christmas presents already. She's amazing. Um, The challenge is that that means I still have one gift. Well, maybe a few, but I've still got some gifts to buy. And those gifts are for the queen herself. A lot of pressure I'm feeling. Uh, She sent me uh, several texts with ideas of things that she wants. Uh, At some point, I plan on looking at those texts and uh, maybe even clicking on some of the links she said. But knowing me, it'll be around the 20th of December, the 21st. That's normally when I start my Christmas shopping. Uh, Every year, I think, man, I need to change this because when I arrive at American Eagle or TJ Maxx and they have no socks left whatsoever, I'm like, where are all the socks? It's Christmas. Come on, you'd think they bring extras in. If I had to sing this song, it would probably be something like this. Oh, come all ye procrastinators, stressed out and defeated. That's how I feel sometimes at Christmas time when I think about this song. And maybe you can relate to that this morning. Maybe for you, it's not shopping. Maybe for you, those line, that line is a little different because you're thinking of some financial struggles that you may be facing right now which almost are magnified at Christmas time because you know you're aware of all the needs and the wants um, of family members or friends. Maybe your marriage isn't where you'd like it to be. Your career, you thought you'd be in a different place today than you really are. You could be battling some health issues here this morning. Whatever it is, the truth is that there could be some of us here this morning who are struggling to remain faithful and you certainly aren't feeling too much joy or triumph in your life. So singing that song, it almost is a, is a bitter line to sing because it's so different to where you find yourself right now. What I want to tell you this morning, here's what I believe. I believe the good news is that Jesus doesn't expect you to be 
faithful, joyful, triumphant, to have everything figured out, have it all put together. And I know this because I look at the life of Jesus himself in the New Testament, and I read about the kind of people that Jesus sought out, the kind of people that Jesus looked to spend time with, the kind of people that Jesus cared about and loved and wanted to connect with. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. A couple of chapters earlier, there's a situation where Jesus is hanging out with a tax collector and some of his friends. And, and in Jesus' time, uh, tax collectors, they were looked down upon. You know, they were, people just didn't want to spend time with those kind of people. And the religious leaders, they looked on and they thought, Jesus, he claims to be this spiritual, godly man, but if he knew who they were, he wouldn't be hanging out with them. In verse 11 of chapter 9, the Pharisees saw this. They asked Jesus' disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. You see, Jesus, I understand from reading these verses, he didn't come looking for the faithful, the joyful, and the triumphant. He came looking for the weary and the burdened and the sinful. And I think that's still the case today. That Jesus is looking to reach those people who feel weary, who feel burdened, who feel far from him. The healthy don't need the doctor, the sick do. And Jesus wants to reach people who are in need this Christmas time. And I think in connecting with us, Jesus wants us to experience faithfulness, joy, triumph, but not through our own strength, but through him. Jesus wants us to experience his faithfulness. He wants us to experience his joy, his triumph. So this morning, I want to look just at all three of those words a little bit and, and just kind of dig into those words a little bit and how they may apply in our lives today. So the first of the three, O come, all ye faithful. What does it mean to be faithful? How can I be faithful? What does it look like for God to be faithful in my life? You know, a couple of hundred years ago, as many of you know, uh, America was yet to be discovered. We'd made our way to the East Coast and uh, settled there, but then some pioneers, they were like, we're going to head out west. There is a lot to see, there's a lot to explore, and, and these, these expeditions began, and, and they started to make their way across the country and discovered these incredible mountain ranges and, and parts of America that we know today, but were brand new for these early settlers to discover. There was one group in 1870 led by a, a guy by the name of Henry Washburn. They were making their way across what we now know today to be Yellowstone Park. And as they were crossing this land, they suddenly saw in front of them this water erupt out of the ground. It was, as we know, a geyser. I think that's the way you pronounce it. I think I pronounce it geyser, but I'm not sure that translates quite the same. So, so we'll call it geyser. They saw this geyser erupt out of the ground, this water shoot up into the air. And I'm sure, like many expeditions back then, these guys, these ladies, they got to name the things that they discovered. And they probably looked on at this incredible water spraying out the ground. And they said, what should we call it? It's got to be something dramatic like super soaker 
or something like that. You know, this is pretty impressive. People will, will want to hear about this amazing thing. But the story goes that they spent the day there. And after spending an entire day next to this geyser, they discovered something incredible about it. That right around every 90 minutes, this thing would erupt again. Throughout the day, they saw it happen nine separate times. Almost like clockwork every 90 minutes. They decided this deserves a different name. And they named it what we now call it today, and that is Old Faithful. Old Faithful. Because like clockwork, this thing would erupt every 90 minutes. You may be new here this morning. Maybe you're here this morning and you're not a follower of Jesus. You've yet to make that decision to, to follow him yourself. But I wanna tell you, there are many here this morning who have made that decision, who have made a decision to, to follow Christ, to, to allow him to uh, be the Lord of their lives, to guide their lives. And if they could tell you stories today, they would tell you stories of, of different interactions, different experiences they've had with God in their life and in their family, in their workplace. But I think one thing you'd hear in common throughout all these stories is them telling of the faithfulness of God. That like that, that geyser, God has been faithful through everything I've been through. He's been there. They may also tell you it hasn't always been easy. There have been some ups, but there have been some downs. But God has still remained faithful. In the Old Testament, there's a prophet by the name of Isaiah. Listen to what he says in Isaiah 43 two. When you go through the deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. Isaiah is saying, I'd love to promise you that when you follow God, nothing bad will ever happen. But that's not the case. There will be rivers in your life. There will be, there will be fires, flames in your life. But the faithfulness of God is that he will be with you. You will not drown. You will not be burned up. And many here this morning could tell story after story that God, like old faithful, has been there in our lives time and time again. And as a result, our faith in God is now built upon his faithfulness to us. We follow God because we've seen his faithfulness to us. Like any relationship, the more faithful someone is to you, the easier it is for you to in turn be faithful to them. O come, all ye faithful, joyful is the second word. Joyful. I wonder how many of us this morning could say, yes, I am joyful. Maybe some of you are. Maybe it's a, a great time of the year and you're just feeling the joy of Christmas. But I'm guessing that there could be some people who came in this morning on the outside, one would assume that there's some joy there, but on the inside, there's some sadness, some pain, some anxiety, some stress. And as is often the case, that can be magnified at Christmas time. Because it seems that everyone is joyful and everything's happy and, and it almost makes your situation look even worse because you feel such a lack of joy in your life. To make matters worse, we're, we're surrounded by messages and advertisers and stores that have given us the impression that the way to find joy 
is to have some more stuff. Make your Christmas list as long as possible because that's where the joy will be found. So we ask for TVs and AirPod Pros and Uggs slippers. And that's just my list. Maybe you've got lists as well of, of things you want for Christmas. And I think despite the fact that we love watching kids just pull the wrappers off the Christmas gifts and see what Santa's bought them and see what gifts they were given that Christmas and there's a lot of joy in the room, we know that that is a, a fleeting joy. There'll come a time with that, that toy or that, that new thing is kind of put to the side, the clothes are outgrown. There's some joy in the moment, but not a, a, a permanent kind of joy. I believe we can find that kind of joy in Jesus. I believe he can give us a joy that never, ever ends. But I think there's another thing we can do at Christmas, and that's um, experience where joy can be found in giving rather than receiving. You know, I think if you're at that stage of life now where you're a parent or a grandparent, you know how just wonderful it is. I mean, there are things you want for Christmas, but ultimately what you're looking forward to the most is watching your kids or your grandkids or your spouse open that gift that you bought for them. There's a joy in giving, isn't there? There's a store in England, it's called John Lewis, and uh, I've talked about them here before at church. They, uh, they, they kind of carry everything from furniture to clothes to electronics, and uh, they, they're very busy at Christmas time. A lot of people go there to buy their Christmas gifts. So as a result, they've, over the last few years, they've created these commercials every Christmas. They've become so um, well put together that, that people kind of anticipate this year's John Lewis Christmas commercial. They tug at the heartstrings. They have lovely music. They have very creative elements to them. And every year, the, the message of the commercial is, uh, here's why we buy gifts. Here's why we give gifts. And there's some kind of gift giving or gift receiving elements to it. So it was quite a surprise last Christmas when they, they made their annual Christmas commercial. And it didn't really have um, a, a message of gift giving. It was a different message altogether. But actually, it turned out to be an even greater message of what it means to give to people who need some extra love at Christmas. So check out this commercial. Yeah, we can't wait. We got in peace. We're really excited. Merry Christmas. All the small things, true care, truth brings. Oh, you're okay. I'll take yeah, one I'm fine. Your ride, best trip. Always, I know you'll be at my show, watching, waiting. How did it go? Yeah, nailed it. Say it ain't so. I will not go. Turn the lights off. Carry me home. Hey, Ellie. Hi. Oh, yeah. Let's get a bit too. You want to come in? 
Oh. Non, vu des choses, elle aime Oh, So in England, we call it the care system. Here in America, you call it the foster system. And the commercial was based around the idea of this, this guy who was willing to go to whatever lengths he could to make um, a great impression on this, this young girl, this foster uh, girl, this care girl that was coming to live with them. So it was a real sweet commercial, but the, the main premise of the commercial was John Lewis was saying, hey, we recognize that this is something where we can help make a difference. And I was reading up on it this week. They've raised over a million pounds as a, uh, as a store to donate to charities that work with kids in care. They've sold over 100,000 pounds of items in their stores that are fundraising specifically for these charities. They've even created apprenticeships and jobs for almost 100 uh, teenagers and young adults who have gone through the care system and the foster system. They said, as a store, we know that at Christmas time, the best uh, thing we can do is give, spread love. And we believe that as a church as well. Not just in the giving of gifts to one another, but in the way we as a church can give to impact our community. So every Christmas for the last few years, we've, we've come up with this idea. We call it our Give Fundraising Campaign. This year, we've uniquely named it Give 2023. And the idea behind our Give uh, Campaign is that we ask everyone to consider giving $20.23 for every member of their family. So if you're a married couple here this morning, you'd give $40.46. If you're a family of four, you'd give $80 and some change. So next Sunday is our big give offering. We're gonna encourage people to, to give. You can give online from today on. Every year, some of you get naughty and you give a little bit more than you should. Some give $200.23 or a little bit more. And we take all of that money we've collected and we look for four organizations that we can impact on behalf of Connect Church and on behalf of Jesus. We talked about two last week, but I wanna tell you about the other two organizations we're gonna work with uh, this morning. And one ties in with why I showed that commercial. It's a group here locally. They are called Foster Village Peoria. We have many families here in Connect who have um, fostered and even adopted kids who have gone through the foster system, making such a difference in the lives of these kids. Many of them have talked about this organization and the wonderful work they do to help families um, in the child welfare system to show them that they are not alone. They bridge the gap in resources and support in the foster care community, and they do this through their resource closet, their educational trainings, their support groups, their youth connect events, and their visit room. And as a church, we are thrilled that this year we're going to be able to help them financially to continue their mission. So when you give this year in our Give campaign, this is just one of those organizations that will bless, that will receive joy this Christmas as you receive the joy of being able to give and make a difference. And then the final one of our four is right here in Washington, and that is through the Washington Police Department. It's their shop with the men and women in blue. They've been doing this for years. They uh, partner with some different organizations. It's a fantastic thing they do to help families and kids. And we are thrilled as a church. There were two other organizations. You're gonna hear more about all four of them over the coming week through social media and emails. But uh, I want you to know that every penny you give will be sent to these four organizations to make a difference in the lives of kids and families. 
You'll, yeah, good job, Connect Church. Well done. It's a great opportunity at Christmas to experience the joy that can be found in giving. And here's the incredible thing about the Christmas message. The greatest example of the joy that can be found in a gift is talked about in Luke 2, verses 9 through 10. The angel brought this message to a group of shepherds, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all of the people. Today, in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. So what is it that will cause great joy? That God sent a savior born to you. He was Jesus, God's gift to you. And it's that great news, it's that great joy that leads to the, the, the final word I want to look at this morning. Oh, come all ye faithful, joyful, and triumphant. We sing that when we sing this song. It's not really a word we use every day in our normal conversation. Hey, honey, how's work today? Ah, oh, triumphant. <laughs> I triumphed at work today. <laughs> But we know what the word means. We understand it. And what's more important, we recognize it when we see it. My oldest son, Ben, he's played soccer all his life. As parents, we've loved watching him play. He played through uh, grade school on travel teams. He played in high school for the high school team. He went to a college to play soccer. Played all four years. One of those years was during COVID, which meant he was eligible to play an extra year. So he's gone back to the same college to get his master's. Nothing to do with education, just so he could play that last year of soccer. Didn't want to miss out on another year of eligibility. Last year, uh, we got to travel to some of his games, my family and I. But uh, if we couldn't go in person, we could watch them online. And his last game of the season, it was too far away to go, so we watched online. And the winner of this game would win the title, would win the whole conference championship. It was an exciting game. As you all know, soccer games can be incredibly exciting. I think it was nil-nil for 80 minutes. So exciting. Um, but at the very end, Ben's team scored. And they were seven minutes away from being the champions. Man, it was a nail-biting. I mean, the other team just put everything they could into it. They were taking shots. They were misses. They were saves. I mean, we were biting our nails. And finally, the whistle went. And Case and I, the family, were on the couch. We're excited. We're watching as all the players run and like high-fiving and, you know, hugging each other. Fans are running onto the field. And it's just this most exciting moment. And then all of a sudden, as we're watching online, Casey's phone rings. It's FaceTime. And it's Ben. And she answers, and he's, we're watching him, and he's there, FaceTiming us. He's like, ah! We think he says something like, hey, mama, dad, I won. But what we heard was, ah! Just this loud noise and just this scrambled video footage. But in that moment, I knew triumph. <laughs> I could feel it. I could experience it. And I was watching on TV what Ben and his teammates must have felt in that moment on the field, knowing that they were the champions that season. We know triumph, and we seek triumph in our lives. And oftentimes, we'll see triumphs. Maybe there's a situation we're in, and financially, we're, we're struggling, and we come through, and, and we're triumphant. It could be a job situation, and, and things change, and we find a new job, and a better job, and we feel some triumph. It could even be health. 
There could be a concern or a struggle, but thanks to medicine and surgery, we come through and we experience some triumph in that area of our life. Most obstacles that come our way, they can be overcome if we are determined enough. All but one, and that is death itself. Scientists and doctors have made incredible advances to prolong our lives and cure sicknesses, but really all they're doing is prolonging the inevitable. We still will all one day fall victims to life's greatest enemy, and that's death. The writer of Hebrews explained it this way, just as each person is destined to die once and after that comes judgment. He's saying it's gonna happen to us all. We're all gonna arrive one day at that place. But this little baby that was born in a manger, he came to triumph even over death itself. There's a verse written about Jesus, and it's crazy because it was written hundreds of years before his, his birth. And when I read it here in a second, we read it a lot at Christmas time, and you're going to assume that it was written around the time he was born, but it was written by the prophet Isaiah hundreds of years before Jesus came. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This was the buildup to the birth of Jesus. So when he was born on that first Christmas, it was the culmination of hundreds of years of prophecy. And one could easily think that this was the climax, that, that his birth into the world was what everything had been building to. But his birth was just the beginning. He then lived an incredible life, healed many people, performed miracles, some incredible teaching still that affects lives today. That was fantastic. His death. An incredible death that we remember when we take communion here on a Sunday morning. But it wasn't even his death that defined his mission. It was what happened three days later. It was his resurrection. We're celebrating Christmas right now, but it won't be long before I'll be stood on this same stage on Easter Sunday celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. And the reason I'll be celebrating is because that's where we see the greatest example of triumph. Even death couldn't hold him down. That verse in Hebrews 9 continues, just as each person is destined to die once and after that comes judgment, so also Christ was offered once for all time as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. That was the purpose of his death. But if it had ended in just his death, there would be no triumph there. It would be a sad end to his life. But it didn't. Three days later, he triumphed. And as excited as Ben and his friends were on the fields that day, I just can't imagine what it must have been like in the heavenly realms as Jesus rose from the dead, the experience, the triumph over even death itself. You know, I asked this question last week. You may know the Christmas story this morning, but do you know the Savior? You may know the Christmas story, but do you know the Savior? We learned last week that the carol we talked about, Oh Holy Night, was written by somebody who didn't believe in God. 
So he understood and he knew all about the story of Jesus. But Jesus wasn't real in his life. And I hope this Christmas time, that's not the case for you. That you know the story of Jesus, you enjoy the songs, you love the kids. But to you, it's a story you know about. And you've yet to experience the Savior. Because he wants you to experience his faithfulness. That he'll never leave you or forsake you. He wants you to experience his joy. The joy that only he can give. And it's far deeper, far greater than any happiness we'll ever find in this world. He wants you to share in his triumph that he claimed on your behalf by giving his life for you. So that all of us can sing together and truly mean and understand, O come all ye faithful, joyful, and triumphant. Can we pray? Father, thanks so much for this wonderful group of people here this morning, whether they're here in person or watching online. Lord, thank you for the amazing morning we've had with the kids singing. It was just wonderful. But Lord, as we think about the opening line of this song, O come all ye faithful, joyful, and triumphant, I pray, Lord, that for everyone here, they would be more than just words of a Christmas carol, but it would signify something in our life that we would um, be people who could say, I understand what it means to see the faithfulness of God in my life. I've experienced a joy that can only be found in a relationship with Jesus. And I get to live victoriously, triumphantly, because of the victory Jesus gained on my behalf. We pray this in Jesus' name.